Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole worlds. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status, in recognition of their commitment to social entrepreneurship. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. What's up, Powerful Nonsenses? Hello. We got a really, really exciting one today. It was fun. It was fun. It was emotional. There was some uh, self-help going on there. There's some self-help. There was some serenading going on. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. Um, If you're tuning in for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram. And I am Jeremy Odis. And uh, yes, we are Powerful Nonsense. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in quite a while... We've decided we're going to do an interview episode. It's one we could not turn down. We could not turn down. We were approached by Vanessa and her team, uh, Vanessa Van Edwards, author of Captivate, uh, a great little book. Um, and we went over, we took a little field trip, a little uh, out of office day. <laughs> <laughs> Got soaking wet. And we did. It was horrible. Horrible, horrible. What a way to introduce yourself to somebody. Like, Hi, I'm a bit soggy. Um, <laughs> but we uh, we powered on through, went to Penguin in central London. Throwing the name bombs out there. Yeah, as you know, do. as you do. You know, well, that's it. We're, we're, we're big time now. Then we sat down with Vanessa Van Edwards and had a whale of a time. Had a good chat about her book and all of the sort of stuff that she covers in the book. So, um, it's I a guess... long episode, so we should probably jump in. Yeah, this. it is quite a long episode. We, we kind of, we went long because we were having so much fun. Um, so we'll jump right in. So here is Vanessa Van Edwards. Today's miserable and exciting... At the same time. And damp, very damp. And I, I, I decided I wasn't going to make a big deal of this, but it's actually my birthday today. What? Is it? Happy birthday. Happy I didn't even say happy birthday. birthday. I know I you am, didn't. Shall we sing? We probably should. Oh, God. We if could, you, do, if we you could wish. do the happy birdle okay. dirtle version. How do you do that? That's happy birdle, happy birdle dirtle toodle yoodle doodle doodle. I've never Come heard that before in my life. I've literally never heard that before in no. my life. Okay, well, I now won't sing it on myself. Now you're going to have to do it for yours. Happy birdle dirtle toodle yoodle doodle. 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 There you go. That's a good birthday gift. Because I didn't say it. <coughs> no, he's, he's, a, he's an awful that. friend. <clears throat> huh? It yeah. still sounded great. Okay. Beautiful. Um, so that other voice you're hearing <laughs> is uh, Vanessa Van Edwards, who is author and we found out today very recent TED Talker. In fact, we reckon this episode will go out around the same time as your TED Talk, so that's really cool. Yes, the first podcast I've done since the TED Talk. 
Wow. I'm a changed person. Yeah, you're 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 all like pretentious and important. Now, yes, yeah? and I have a Obviously. glow about me. Don't the Ted glow? Yeah, I can see it. I think so. Yeah, and you, you've got like a carpet following you. A little, <laughs> a little red, red, red carpet. carpet following you. I just you wear go. a red train. And it just follows <laughs> me, and I like just fan it out around my legs <laughs> wherever I go. <laughs> um, so. Your book is entitled Captivate. Captivate. Yes. So we got a question for you. Yeah. This is our this is our spark for you, oh. Vanessa. Oh. If you could captivate anyone, living or dead, who would you captivate? That's actually an easy one because I think about this a lot. Okay. Ooh. I would love to try to captivate Lucille Ball, the um, American comedian, actress, entrepreneur from okay. I Love Lucy. I'm not familiar. I must admit. Okay, okay. It's a it's a it's a classic TV show. It's the longest. I think it was the longest running TV show in U.S. history. Oh, amazing! Um, and she is a was a female entrepreneur who created the idea of a multi set a multi camera set. Yeah. So her oh. and her husband Desi Arnaz wrote "I Love Lucy," and it was one camera live audience. That was it. And in the 50s, she said, well, why do we have one camera? And why don't we do three different cameras mm-hmm. and have them move around the set? So she pioneered this entire principle based on a need for her creative talents and her creative desire. And so I feel like I'm constantly trying to measure my business ideas with uh-huh. my creative ideas. Okay. Um, and she was hysterical. And I do I do try to be funny occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd be, she'd be the person, for sure. <laughs> Amazing. So um, I've got to say, Vanessa, mm. I am... I, Listeners know I'm not a big reader. He's not. I'm not He's a big reader. I'm, I'm one of those audiobook type people. Yes, yes. And I absolutely love your book. Oh, yeah. Like actually read, which is very rare. What? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we have an audiobook. I recorded it. Just for <gasps> you, ain't Amazing. And I did like I did like voices. I didn't sing Happy Bird a little, but I did do voices. <laughs> and it was weird because I have stories in the book about friends and like my dad. Uh-huh. And I, I tried to do their voices, which like horribly offended them, but I tried. So I'm so honored that you read it. No, no. Well, I mean... We did only get one copy from Penguin. We did ask for two. Did you we did allowed? ask for two. Did you read um, so, I read it. So Jem read it first because he's the quick reader. Yeah. So I haven't finished it, yeah. but I am devouring Where it. Where are you minute. now? So I've, I mean, I've had the book for like two or three days. Oh, that's and it. considering I'm a slow reader, I've, I've pretty much finished part one. Okay. Which is the first five minutes, which for me actually is the most crucial bit because I'm, I'm one of those um, outgoing introverts mm-hmm. so yeah. like when you introduce me to somebody I'm like Got all it. guns blazing but it's that initial kind of introduction it, I'm just it's interesting. I, ha- I wouldn't have been able to say this to you even two or three weeks ago because the book just came out but I've noticed so I split the book up into how I view an interaction mm-hmm. the first five minutes the first five hours and the first five days I did not realize that people have been saying oh my, the hardest part for me in a relationship is the first five days. I can oh. have casual relationships, but I have a really hard time keeping and maintaining intimate friendships. Or mm-hmm. someone will say, I make a terrible first impression. The first five <laughs> minutes are horrible for me, but once you get to know me, then I'll be, I'm loyal to you forever. And so I didn't realize that actually an interesting opener would be, uh-huh. what's, the, what's the hardest or easiest part for you? Is it the first few minutes yeah. or is it the maintenance like the build the, the, the slow build or is it keeping and maintaining which are different I, did, I didn't expect yeah that. I think I think for me thinking about it I think the first five minutes I'm pretty awful me at. too I'm terrible at that that's me awful. too yeah, yeah. yeah. no we had minutes. a great first five minutes well we did but that's because I've read your book okay, okay. <laughs> yeah exactly now <laughs> okay. we're okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now we have six I fixed it okay. um, the first five days is probably the bit I'm strongest at uh-huh. and then the first five weeks is where I start to go down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you? 
Um, for me, definitely that first interaction. But I find with people like with you, I think that we got on straight away because it was like relaxed. And I yeah. think mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about how's that person reacting to what I'm saying. Right. So for me, it's always about like how, yeah, what do they think about what I'm saying or how I look? And if that person seems cool and you can straight away, like you say, you can have that joke where you're on the level and that whole me too that you said in the book. Right. I think the quicker you can get that me too, then I feel like that's when I come into my own and that's when I can really like open up to somebody. Inside jokes, being able to say me too. The interesting thing is that I try more recently to greet people like they're old friends. Mm. So we hadn't met before. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I got to see a little bit. I got to listen to a little bit of your show before. Mm-hmm. But like, I felt like we're going to get to know each other quite well. Yeah. So I might as well <laughs> greet you as if I haven't seen you in five years. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on in your life, right? I, I don't, I haven't been updated, but like, we're already familiar. We're already on a level of trust. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to rekindle it. I think that that mental approach is a little bit of a shortcut um, to getting that faster, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I know as well when we, I mean, we were looking like drowned rats. I was thinking like, there is, <laughs> you were, you there, were wet. there is no way we're going to captivate looking like this. <laughs> no, no, no. no, and no, actually, so you were wet and I went, oh gosh, he's probably cold. And then I wanted to like, you know, make sure you were okay. But I didn't hug you or cover you in a blanket. He was like, I'm not getting wet as well. I, I'm completely dry <laughs> no, here. I, I want to make, make sure he's okay, but so long as I don't get wet as well. The yeah. only reason I wasn't wet <laughs> is because I bought a Union Jack umbrella, which I was very excited about. Nice. I'm going to bring that home. Portland. Oh, we have a gift for you, actually. I mean, on that. Hang on. Oh, Wayne's going to collect There's going to be some, some microphone it? muscling going on. I love gifts. <laughs> That's the dopamine in my brain. Seeing as you like uh, Union Jack umbrellas, I do have some, some London ah, pens. And I'm a writer, so I will use these very, very well. Thank you. They're lovely Union. They're lovely London pens. One says a bunch of the different. Are these the metro stops? Yeah, you yeah. might be able to find yourself say, your way to your next to your uh, next appointment. <laughs> yeah, I can't figure out the two. <laughs> just, just start looking at your it's pens com- on the. It's street. complicated enough on a map, let alone on the side of a like, pen. You know? No way. Yeah, I'll just use. What if I just hold up the pen? I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> Which stop am I going to? Could you to? show this American where to go? <laughs> Which stop is it on the pen? Would you let me know. <laughs> Oh, people would probably help because Brits are so nice. <laughs> we try, we try. Oh, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, so I, I had a question actually for you, which sure. I don't know how common this is. This is me being very selfish and talking about me personally. I like but it. I was thinking about this uh, yesterday after finishing part one. And um, I'm one of those people where... I really, the first interaction, I really, really, I don't know how much Gemma will attest to this, but I really overcompensate. Oh. <laughs> and I go crazy, crazy, sort of hyperactive, flamboyant. really over the top, flamboyant. Gemma, have you noticed that? No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> well, he's an actor and too, how com- so. How com- yeah, I am an actor as well, so that doesn't help. So but. you, oh, let me just get this, make sure I get this right. Uh-huh. So you overcompensate by talking more and being even more energetic. Yeah. And then I come out of the interaction and I think, oh my God, they don't know anything. They don't know the real me. I'm so misunderstood. (laughs) Um, So that is extremely common. And what's funny is, so as humans, for some reason, what we are lacking ourselves, Uh we try to even double up on or make sure that we're not that. So I would ask you, and this is a very personal question. Yeah, sure. Fire away. Okay. I love it. We can make this therapy for Wayne. That's fine. Okay, good. All right. (laughs) You need therapy too, too, right? Me next. Okay. (laughs) So my question for you is, when you are interacting with people, what is your greatest fear? What are you worried they will find out about you? Ooh. Ooh. Um... Gosh, I haven't really thought about that. Like, like, or film, yeah, and this is not something we think yeah, about yeah. a lot, but like, fill in the blank 
I am most worried people will find out that I'm... Mental. <laughs> Mental. Well, I kind of... I think... I think I'm a bit... Because you know, I'm, uh, I'm a bit of a dork, really, okay. in many ways. But I think I turn the, the dork up tenfold. Yeah. But that might be the actor in me kind of saying... Because the reason I became an actor was because I was bullied at school and whatever and laughed at a lot. Right. And I realised that when I was on stage, like all of my acting stuff started out as comedy. Because right. I realised that when I was on stage... If they're laughing at me, it's because I've told them to laugh at me. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I thought you would say something like that because that fits into this idea that if we are or embody our greatest fear, Mm -hmm. no one can wield it against us as a weapon. So if we are most afraid of someone thinking that that I'm a dork and then I dial up the dorkiness, Uh then it's no longer a weapon against me. It's a tool I'm using. And a tool is far better than a weapon. So right. you'll often hear this. That, that That's actually a positive way of, of you know, owning your dorkiness uh-huh. and sort of dialing up the, the, the comedy. Uh-huh. The other way you'll hear this is you'll notice um, women do this where um, they will criticize themselves out mm. loud. So, oh, right. say, oh, my God, I'm so stupid. Or, oh, my gosh, Vanessa, you're so, you're, you're so, you're so um, awful at this. Why are you so bad at it? They'll, like, self-talk out loud right. and criticize themselves in front of their people. The reason they're doing that is because they don't, subconsciously, they don't want someone else to say that because it would hurt far more if someone else said it about you because then it validates your greatest fear. But if you're saying it, it's still your fear, but no one at least can attack you with it. Because you yeah. already made it, con- you're You've conscious of it. it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I always <clears throat> like to think about either how people are dialing up or how people are dialing down, mm-hmm. but also what they're most worried about. So for example, this, this happened just the other day. I was talking to someone and I, they were talking about worries or, or fears socially. And he said, you know, I'm always worried that um, people are going to manipulate me. Mm. Now, that's very interesting. And by the yeah. way, if you're with friends, I highly recommend you asking this question. What, are, what is your greatest fear? That tells you a lot about a person. So I immediately thought, if you're most worried about people manipulating you, that means you are probably a manipulator yourself. Right. Yeah. Typically, because what you are also worried about is typically something that you struggle with yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, well, are you ever manipulative? And he said, yes, I try not to be. It's something that I'm really working on. And then I said, okay, well, there it is. What you're actually struggling with is your fear of manipulating others and trying to be authentic. And so, of course, that's what you see in others first and foremost. Right. I also find a lot of people do that in relationships as well, especially when you feel you're lacking something, yes. you end up moaning about that to the person that you actually, basically you're angry that they're not doing the things that you know you should be doing. And it's such a weird cycle that you actually put it out there, but ultimately you need that advice for yourself and you'll get angry. And like you say, you kind of are conscious. So you say it to somebody else, but really you're hoping that mirrors back at yourself. A hundred percent. I, very personal, this is an example. So my greatest fear is being forgotten or being boring. Right. Um, And so it's something that like, I'm always worried about. I mean, even like with my book, Mm -hmm. if I felt like if you went, one page without a laugh, an aha moment, mm-hmm. or some interesting fact, I failed. Mm-hmm. So like that's why it took so long to write the book because I, I couldn't bear the thought. So the other day, I someone asked me, you know, what do you think of um, you know, his new girlfriend? And I was like, oh, she's rather boring. You know, and it was like one of those moments where I was so I was critical of that particular thing because I am afraid of it, and I work really hard to try not to be boring. Mm-hmm. That in a weird way, it actually made me more critical of her for that. Mm. So I don't. Wow. That's not a good, bad, or in between, but it's a very interesting notice. And I think yeah. that we, it's a. So I think that people do dial up. Um, and the question is, is do you dial up or dial down? 
Right. So in a social interaction, are you more talkative, more dramatic, more energetic, more the center of attention, or do you dial down? Does fear inhibit you? So are you less talkative, less energetic, uh, tr try to avoid the center of attention at all costs? Mm -hmm. I, was I think that's why me and you are different, I'm definitely we? a dialed down. Okay. So for me, and I think I did one of these personality tests and it said you're known as the secret weapon. It's kind of like you mm -hmm. dial down first and then until you feel comfortable with someone and then they, you let them in, then I literally cannot stop. Okay. And like I'll say everything, everything they need to do in their business, everything they need to try in their life, every book they need to read. And so for me, I, when I meet somebody, I like go all the way down and only my closest friends will know like what I'm really like. But then I'm really good at that show. I can, I can get by with anybody because uh -huh. I can play the level. But then if they want the best of me, that's when I can get past that bit where I've dialed down and then they've let me in a bit and then I go all and in. And I think... I, oh, go ahead. I think that's where me and you are so good in business meetings mm. because he, he we've had this conversation so many times we'll go into a business meeting with some other people oh, yeah. and he'll <laughs> sit back for the first five ten minutes yeah, totally. I'll do all the talking and then once I've kind of got <laughs> the Exhausted, initial yes. 10 minutes out of the way <laughs> yeah. I can just sit back and Jem will just and he fire away and we say it's like a, a finisher that we do like Wayne warms them up and I do, the, yeah, the, I do just come in and like yeah. give the knockout blow <laughs> so my question for you was are you dialing down because you're afraid of you want to read the situation so there's when people are quiet or they dial down it's either because they're trying to observe and assess and observe and assess so it's a very just make sure they, they know the situation or it's a protection thing. So it's, uh, I need to make sure that I don't expose something too quickly or I'm not judged too quickly, so I wanna make sure that I'm withholding. Before I kind of started reading a lot more books, I was definitely that protection level. Yeah. Nowadays, I feel like I sit back and I'll observe, see where they're coming from, I'll throw out a few like questions as hooks, and then it's kind of like, as soon as you get that in with somebody, like you say, those little spark moments where you can get a little bit of information out of them. So nowadays, I'm definitely more conscious mm. of in some information before I can then take that relationship forward. But all I need, again, is that little hook of someone, right. and then I'm in. And the me too, right? Yeah. Like the, oh, like I have that too, or whatever and it is. And then you can just totally open up, and then it's like you say, back onto that sort of friendship level. We've known each other, and that's it. The friendship starts from there. Yeah, so I think that that's, you guys are the perfect example of this idea that I'm really trying to convince people of, which is there is more than one brand of charisma, mm -hmm. right? It, in America especially, and I think in a lot of Western cultures, there's sort of this idea of this one kind of charismatic, the very yeah. bubbly extrovert, that mm -hmm. booming personality. Mm -hmm. and, and that's great. But there are different kinds of charismatic. And both of you are very different personality-wise. <laughs> you have different approaches to people, different approaches to meetings, but you would both be considered charismatic. And right. so I don't ever want someone to feel like they have to be an extrovert or they have to dial up. Mm -hmm. That's when we get into problems. You naturally dial up. That's part of who uh -huh. you are. Yeah. But what's what? where I really get worried is when people say, I feel like I have to be that center of attention, funny, mm -hmm. hilarious, gregarious guy or girl. That's the only way people are going to like me. Mm -hmm. That's actually not true. But that must be like, obviously, I think uh, for me and Wayne, obviously we've been doing this podcast for so long, but I think we've started to get to, because with all this stuff we do, we've started to question ourselves a lot more. Whereas I think mm. a lot of people, again, it's that mm. self-awareness game is kind of when you understand that you fall into those certain categories, then you know where you become, like you say, it switches into a tool rather than it's that defensive shield or that weapon against what you right. know. So I think that a lot of young people initially are afraid to be judged straight away. So they're playing that sort of defensive mode rather than offensive one like not being offensive in a bad way but kind of being able to read a situation yes. to kind of be softly and understand okay I come across this way so I need to evolve how I speak to somebody well you you said exactly what I think it is is we are terrible at judging ourselves mm -hmm. 
um, both in good and bad ways. Yeah. Sometimes we greatly overestimate our abilities and sometimes <laughs> we are so harsh on ourselves yeah. to the point of yeah. unbelievability. And so the, you guys have each other and you're also listening to recordings of yourself and being like, ooh, like that came off differently than I expected it. Mm-hmm. Or like, hey, you know, Wayne, when you did that, I thought that he really opened up. You got to keep doing that. I love mm-hmm. when you do that. We very rarely get A, a partner, and B, a way to reflect ourselves. So there's a couple things for people who are listening, if they're willing. Um, it's really hard if you don't have a gem or a Wayne, but um, there's- You can email us those. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, or me. You can, um, one, is try to record your end of the next few phone conversations. So this is a really challenging mm. one. Just your end, mm. not their end. We often don't realize how we sound. It's why we hate the sound of our own voices on podcasts or recordings. Mm-hmm. But we also don't always know, like, how do we listen? You know, when we have something critical to say, how do we deliver it? Are we very warm in our vocal tone or are we very cold in our vocal tone? So just even that exercise can help you diagnose yourself from a little bit of a distance. Mm-hmm. Next level is a screen record, like record on your photo booth yourself while you're on a call. So you get both, I know, so you get both (laughs) the audio and visual. Um, I actually had a a guy who did this exercise and, and I assigned him this exercise for a very specific reason. He does something interesting with his face when he's listening to people and it's very disconcerting, but I was afraid to tell him because I knew that he had no idea and I I thought that me telling him wouldn't work. Uh So I assigned him this exercise. I said, I want you to record yourself on your next phone conversation and just pay attention to your facial expressions, your body language. And I was like, watch out for these things, you know, voice tone, warmth, facial expressions, specifically how you're holding your face. If you're (laughs) making any micro expressions while you're listening. Um, And I I think I said, and your hand gestures, because those are really Mm -hmm. important. Um, and so what he did is he would make the disgust microexpression as he was listening. So the disgust microexpression, for those who don't know, microexpression is a universal facial expression. Mm-hmm. It's one of the seven. Yeah. So if you want to try it with me, you can uh, crinkle your nose up, yep, and lift up your white of your teeth, ugh, and make that, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like the bad smell. He listened well, he like that. <laughs> he listened. He listened like this. Wow. <laughs> and with his with his nostrils flared and up, and it was extremely disconcerting. And he was having a really hard time at work because imagine. it's it's very it's a very weird thing. And he noticed it on his own video. So oh. I'm not saying you have anything that extreme, but it's interesting to look what you look like when you're listening. Mm. That's an important point that you sort of bring up in the book is how important like the body and the facial expressions are for how you come across. Like somebody who's feeling like they're going to be judged in a conversation when they meet somebody might go in with that sort of closed body language kind of, and it kind of, put somebody else in a you like you say you can kind of pass that body language onto somebody else which then you do, the whole conversation goes terribly right and I know people say sort of like go through doors and open up your chest there's a TED talk on the whole importance of body language opening up your yes. chest mm-hmm. smiling kind of pretend look. like you're wearing a cape yeah oh yeah I've not heard that one before yeah. I used to be obsessed with capes as a kid so maybe I should think used to be why not still? well I, I kind of think well I think I still am because I do say <laughs> that's some, what I, think. I do say a lot of the time why did capes ever go out of fashion well why don't you bring them back because tie, I, a, I, tie a towel around your neck tonight and just <laughs> run around the house. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. You know what would be really funny is if any any costume party at all or any holiday, you always wore a cape. Like no matter what it was, like that was always your For costume. Your birthday weekend, it's Saturday. <laughs> yes, Saturday. Just pop a it's cape your or birthday. A cape. You can wear whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> just any color cape. We are going to Shoreditch. Exactly. So I reckon you can get I away could probably with get it. away. You could do a black. You could do a black sparkly cape. You could do a Christmas cape. You know, you could Don't do push Easter him now. Cape. He might get no, too into it. No, it could be like your signature thing. And then people could send you capes from all over the world. There you go. 
I can see the wheels turning. Yeah. I can see the I'm wheels. just thinking maybe I could sell capes. What? <laughs> Start a cape business. You know, just to try and bring grown up back. capes. Okay, it's funny because I hear a lot of interesting and unique, and by interesting and unique, I mean bizarre and crazy business ideas. And yeah, starting a cape business is very close to a business I heard recently, which was, uh, which was, this is, Amer- this is an American, um, custom made cowboy shirts with jewelry on the collars. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? We okay. actually had a bit of a trend in London where people were wearing proper like glittery collars and stuff, but yeah. not so much the cowboy sh- shirt. So this is only, <laughs> only, and he assured me he will not make any other product, which made me worry for him. <laughs> <laughs> which was, they are custom cowboy shirts with um, jewelry on the, co- cow- on the um, hem of the collar. Wowza. So, so I think a cape business think could fit through. right in. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Partner if that can work, yeah. then like a cape business could certainly work. I think so. And then it becomes um, a conversation starter, right? Like it's a dopamine-producing conversation starter. There you go. Very true. Yeah. Why have you got your cape on? Well, just been sorting out crimes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You could be like, well, why don't you have a cape on? <laughs> yeah. Answer their question with a question. Yeah. Exactly. Just deflect. We totally got off on capes. I forgot what we were talking yeah. about. Something um, really good, I'm sure. Je- uh, body, body language, language yes. going into a room. So, like, obviously, I think especially as people in offices, like, at work, they're always hunched over their desk. I'd just like to get your take on how important body language is and how we can kind of get used to approaching people with that sort of more open body language. Yeah, so I think what's what we don't realize is we often think, and this is with everything, with emotions, with body language, even with illness, we think of it as compartmentalized. Like, there's body language, there's verbal content, there's my emotions, and they're not connected. Mm -hmm. But actually, they are incredibly connected. And there's um, a really cool graphic that I saw that looked at emotions in the body. Mm -hmm. And it found that we have heightened activity in the body with certain emotions and less or decreased activity with other ones. I saw that article with all like the color, sort of the heat charts of where the energy is in the body. Right. So like anger is you have height, a lot of energy in your hands, arms, upper torso, chest, and face, which is Mm -hmm. why you get flushed. When you're very angry, why you want to punch someone in the face, because your hands have all this activity. Sometimes you'll even shake yeah. from the anger. Um, so that, what happens is, is you have this physiological response to the anger, which then changes your body language. It makes your hands more active. It makes your face more red. It makes you want to puff out your chest, right? Which is why you have mm-hmm. that kind of alpha gorilla uh-huh. thing I'm pounding on my chest. I don't know if you can hear that through the mic. <laughs> um, that alpha gorilla. So that changes itself. And then as you're in that body language, you actually begin to feel even more angry and even more pumped up. So what we have to mm. realize is that our body language and our emotions, they are a feedback loop and it can be one that feeds on itself. Depression is a great example. So depression is marked by decreased activity in the entire body. Mm-hmm. So the entire body feels less activity, less blood flow, which is why people who are very sad or depressed want to stay in bed. Mm-hmm. They don't want they don't have any energy in their body. They have less blood flow. They want to be completely um, horizontal on the couch or on the bed. That's why. So what happens is, is if you feel sad and then your body gets less emotion and then you are on your couch and you're laying flat on your back, you definitely feel like you can't take on the world, right? Yeah. So you're flat on your back and, you, and, and the kitchen and your work and your clothing and your friends feel really far away. Mm. And then you feel even more depressed and then you feel even more sad. So like these loops are very interesting. And I think that if we think about body language in terms of being in control, that, okay, maybe my mind and my emotions aren't there yet, but maybe I can put my body there first mm. in a way that could be a different way to trigger a change in an emotional loop. Have you heard of Wim Hof? No. 
Oh my lord! Oh, he might be right. Up his so street. here we go. So you were speaking a lot about blood flow, and you were saying like there's a decreased activity in yeah. people with depression or people who are quite like maybe like negative thoughts and stuff like that. But Wim Hof has got this breathing technique. If you go on YouTube tonight, search Wim Hof the Ice Man, and he has this breathing technique. He was on Lewis Howe's podcast okay. actually. Yeah. But he does this breathing technique, which is sort of like this old way of like you take these deep breaths in, and it basically increases blood flow, oh. flow throughout your body. You get this euphoric feeling. You're yes. tingling. Your hands are tingling. And literally after you feel this total like connected like connection and like, you just feel amazing because blood flow is like at a maximum level perfect example breathing is is a kind of body language to increase activity which then changes your emotions mm-hmm. i think that we can do that with so many emotions i think mm-hmm. that euphoria is an amazing one i can't wait to try it um but yeah. there's so many others as well like for example like if you grip your fists together like make a make two fists and hold them tight mm-hmm. this is like this an unshakable determination right it makes you feel like okay like i'm in control mm-hmm. i got this I can do it. We're going to do it. So if you have a really hard task and you're like, okay, and you're kind of like with your fists. Like pumping iron. Right. You're pumping iron. Like you're pumping your productivity tasks. Even that can can give you a little a spark or yeah. a, a kind of excitement that you didn't have before. It's a very small one, but I think that mm-hmm. a lot of little tiny moves like that are changing things. There's a there's another. It's called like bioenergetics. It's where you kind of use your body. So oh. like pumping your hands into the air. Yeah, pride. Pride and like yeah. people naturally at the end of a race or the or their football team wins, their hands go up in yes. the air, like you're saying. And so there's a lot of these sort of like you say these micro expressions in the face, but actually your body, body yeah. causes it to happen also. And, and I think that and we don't even begin to know all those changes. I'm, mm. And I'm going to tell a story about a study that I just read that I found fascinating, and I might not get the exact. I never explained it before. I might get it exactly right. But what they found, they think that also our gut. So Uh we're pretty aware that the body and the brain are connected, but they think that our gut also is causing a lot of emotional change. And even the smallest emotion, fear or contempt or disgust, can affect the muscles and the Mm -hmm. enzymes and the bacteria in your gut. What they found was is that when they took extroverted mice Mm -hmm. and they took, they did a fecal transplant yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. poop in one yeah. mouse the other from an introverted mouse they could actually switch the introverted and extroverted traits mm-hmm. so they made an extroverted mouse introverted and an introverted mouse extroverted yeah this is insane wow. yeah yeah insane. they've looked at that for the people with depression as well yes. they found that actually their microbiome is completely different to somebody who's more say optimistic or something which is incredible and then you've got a lot of these sort of studies coming out about the link between gut and mind and it's actually got its own sort of thinking inside it, it, it really. Yeah, the, that, yeah, that mind-gut yeah. sort of connection. Yeah, totally. But what I think is what I what I was trying to get at is that I think that if if even our gut, like what the bacteria in our gut could change our extroversion mm. levels, imagine how much a body posture or a mind to exercise, yeah. they're all very, very connected and that actually gives us more control. Yeah. Right, and so I think that starting to pay attention to other challenges, like starting to pay attention to who and what affects your social moods. Mm-hmm. So we're, we've, we hear a lot about moods, right? Being depressed or being excited, being productive. Or there's a lot on productivity out there. We very rarely talk about social moods. Yeah, I think they're actually very different social moods. Like sometimes I'm in the mood to interact with someone one-on-one. I want to have a deep conversation. I want to have a glass of wine, lay back on the couch, and just stay inside. Other times I want to go out. I don't want to talk. I want to like move. I want to move my body. I want to uh-huh. dance. I think that we actually have to start thinking about like what are these social moods and like what affects them? When do they come up? Is it food based? Is it body language based? Is it work based? What is affecting them? We're, we very rarely think about that. Yeah, and I suppose that that very much then drastically affects the. So you kind of touch on this in, in the book about you know um, playing to your strengths, mm-hmm. and I suppose 
um, in many ways that then allows you to play to your strengths in the moment because if you're in the mood to just like I'm very much most people don't think I am but I'm very much an introvert yeah I I will go all in on a social interaction and then I'm like okay I need to recharge for like a week Um, (laughs) and then I'll just stay in my room for like days Um, and I suppose if if you're in recharge mode um, the last thing that's going to be good for your social interactions your relationships is to then go out and try and go to, say, a networking event or, right. or whatever. And also, like, not all are created equal. So I have certain friends that I can see when I'm recharging. Mm-hmm. So I'm an ambivert. I'm somewhere in between that extrovert and introvert. So I have certain friends that we can go out, we can go for a hike. I live in you know the mountains in Oregon. So we <laughs> usually do hikes and then happy hour. That's kind of our, our thing. <laughs> uh, we're very outdoorsy. So I'll go on a hike with them and grab happy hour, and it is still recharging. Yeah. But I had to figure that out by realizing, oh, like, I don't want to go out, out. I don't want to go to a birthday party. I want to go network event. But, like, I could see Stephanie, right? Right. Like, I, I could totally see her, and a hike would be lovely. So it's also looking at your relationships and saying, who recharges me? Mm. And who is really fun, but I expend energy with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are different people. Both are good, but they have to be different moods. And so I don't think we think about that very typically, especially with the people in our lives. There's a, I don't know, do you guys know the, the Instagram bustle? No. Okay. So Bustle is this Instagram and it's they're hilarious and they just recently posted this thing and it resonated so much this is exactly what we were talking about where it said had a picture of a girl and she was like said yes to drinks for 5pm tonight and then like it says like 5pm and she's like so tired feet hurt must go home hungry need wine <laughs> <laughs> because like at 2 o'clock yeah. 5 o'clock drinks sounds great yeah. it sounds so great and then it gets to 5 o'clock and you're like what was I thinking <laughs> right and like and that happens every week yeah Literally every week. And you've got to think... Oh, you've also got to think... May I have your attention, please? Oh, here we go. You are invited to observe a minute's silence. Oh, minute's silence. Let's do that. We should do it. We're doing a minute's silence. May I have your attention, please? Thank you for observing the minute silence. That was lovely. There we go. Well needed. Well so needed. so rare that we take pauses. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Especially from the important things. Definitely. Um, that also does mean that it's eleven o'clock. Mm. So. Are you good for another 15? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So we just thought we'd take a quick break to say a massive thank you to the sponsor of the show, longtime sponsor of the show, the University of Northampton. Um, If you don't know, Gem and I are alumni from the University of Northampton, so 
we are products of the place. Um, and really, they're just a perfect fit for us. When they came and approached to ask if they could sponsor the show, we were like, for shizzle. Why not? Why not? And the reason being is because they're not just about just getting a degree and being an academic. They're really, really supportive of any side projects that you might want to do, any ventures you want to set up, any businesses you want to set up, charities, etc., etc., etc. They've got loads of little kind of organizations around the university that can help you get your projects off the ground and things like that. They're an Ashoka U Changemaker campus, uh, which means that it's kind of like a badge of honor, which kind of says we care about social impact as well as everything else that universities normally do. So if it sounds like something you might want to check out, if you're thinking of going to university, but you're thinking maybe I don't want to just get a degree and come out and look for a job, maybe I want to set up a business as well, then there might be the university for you. So check them out, northampton.ac.uk. And a massive thank you to them for continuing to support the show. You were mentioning, like, obviously at the end of the day when people are quite tired, and usually it's kind of like that's when those um, events are, when you're going yeah. to meet up after work to go to a networking event, yeah. to go to a talk, a new book launch, stuff like that. Yeah. And so I think actually, like, your ability to, to um, captivate is actually sometimes you've got to figure out, like you say, when am I most energetic? Which days? And it's very hard. Mm. I mean, you can prime yourself sometimes doing the body stuff, but you have to know like which times of days are you best? Are you energized? Like you say, they're just taking a pause. A lot of the time people don't take enough downtime to relax. And usually, like you say, I'm pretty sure when you've had your two days of sitting back and relaxing and oh, finding your feet again, mm-hmm. you get out there and you like, sometimes it gets to the point where, I mean, I work from home as well. You get to the point where you cannot wait to get around right. other people because you're so excited mm. to just, like me and Wayne, when we sit in a coffee shop, I'm like, this is one of the most pleasurable experiences Yes. I have is that and that's a recharge, recharge yeah the, I think also what we're talking about is like <laughs> rhythms like rhythms are different for each mm-hmm. person yeah and I think about this with productivity but it also works with with being social as well so if you have um, if you know for example that Monday nights after a long weekend like you want to go that's your laundry night that's when you want to go grocery shopping that's your like air night you would want to save and keep that night on your calendar. Versus if you know that like by Wednesday, you're like itching to do something fun. Like it's been a hump day of a work week. Like that's your night to plan something really, really good with friends. Figuring out your rhythms, I think can be extremely helpful for working with your strengths. Yeah, definitely. Well, as we said before we hit record, I am not a morning person. And we know, Mm. we know it's not a good idea to record a podcast before 10 a.m. Yeah. Because I'm just like, no. You're off. I turn up and he's like, he's like, like, morning. And I'm like, like, go away. (laughs) Why are we doing this? Tea's in the kitchen. Don't talk to me till you drink it. (laughs) Yeah, he knows now to get a tea ready. If I'm, if I ever turn up before 10 o'clock, he's like, there's your tea. Like, showed up up at the station today. He'd already got the tea. Oh, that's so cute. We're like a married couple, really, aren't we? That's really quite sweet <laughs> and the thing is like what a gift to not only know your rhythms but know your friends rhythms. yeah but i think that's a massive key point there because i think um when you understand your friends enough and you've got those close relationships i think you know what each other needs and you can read mm, at that moment absolutely. i know if if wayne's ready to talk about what we're going to do next with the podcast or do i just need to ask him like how his weekend went and like uh-huh, i think uh-huh. that's a lot of the time where you I think that's where a lot of people struggle as well. And I think a lot of people don't have the time to have those sort of deeper connections with their friends. Mm. And I think sometimes that's when you probably have the best relationships. Actually, you feel connected. You don't fall into these slumps. You know who to go to, who's your sort of emotional nutrient at the right, right. time. 
So I just think that's... That's the first five days. Yeah. Right? So I think, and this this is something that I've really... Ha- we, there's not a lot written about it, actually. Mm. We we talk a lot about first impressions. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot about, like, dating, turning your girlfriend or boyfriend into a significant other. But then it's like, how do you turn your significant other into a life partner? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could get married and still not be in the section that's the first yeah. five days. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. that's the scary part. Mm. And so it's... Well, I think, is it Gary Vaynerchuk? You know yeah, Gary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Gary that said, um, you know, the world would be a much better place if people put as much uh, effort into their marriages as they do their right. weddings. And I think Oh, it's, that's such a good quote. Yeah. I haven't heard that quote yeah. before. But I think it's so true because I think so many people are so rushing to tick each box that they get to the... After the wedding, and they go, so let's get to know each other. Right. Or or worse, they think, oh, I know him. I know how mm. he takes his coffee, mm-hmm. right? I know that we, you know, this is our routine in the morning. Mm. Routines, logistics, errands, mm. how you like to keep your closet, that's not knowing someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like understanding someone's value system, understanding their rhythms, understanding what are the body language cues that I need to look for to know this person does not want to talk about their day right now. All mm-hmm. they want is to me to be with them. Yeah. I mean, that is deeply yeah. knowing someone. That's why I really enjoy um, Arthur Aaron's 36 Questions. Yeah. Have you seen oh, this? I've, 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 yeah, I've read through some of them. Is that, is that the one where it's two people and, and it's just these 36 questions that they go through and by the end of it, they're essentially in love with each other in some way, shape or form? <laughs> yes, so, so um, we have them on our website for free, so I can send you guys the link if yeah, you want to put in the do. show notes. I really, I hope that you will be brave enough to do these 36 questions with your best friend or your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so what Arthur Aaron found is that um, there are three different levels of love or connection. And after the first level, I believe, is like interests and hobbies. I think the second level is like personality traits, which is exactly how the book is organized. Yeah. The book is organized as like commonalities, then personality traits right, with something called the personality matrix. And this last section is the intimacy part. Mm-hmm. And so he created 36 questions to move through all three levels quickly okay. to get the common interests, the personality and the values. So I think that, you know, like one of the questions is, um, I think this is one of the questions. If it's not, it should be. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> and we can do it can actually it. now if yeah. you want. Okay. I don't think I've ever done this on a podcast. So it's, um, what's something that you used to know that you no longer believe? So something that you used to like know was true, you believed it, but now something happened or you've grown and now you know that's no longer true. I think for me, that one is probably that people, this is kind of a hard one as well, that I was going to say like people judge you on appearance because I think people do, but it's so small, like there's Mm. such a tiny element of who you are. And And so I used to think it was so big. And like when you're young, you want to wear the certain things and you're programmed for like the first how many years of your life in education where your appearance is everything and Mm -hmm. you've got this spot or you've got your hair a certain way or you're dressed a certain way. And then you go into the workforce and then you've got to wear a a suit and it's got to look a certain Mm -hmm. way and the shoes have got to shine a certain way. And like I say, like I used to put so much weight on how much you, how you had to look. And now I understand, yes, it can open doors in the right way. Like literally most of the time I wear shorts nowadays. I know that may come across wrong or right in some ways, but I got to the point where I'm not that bothered anymore. Signature. Like if some, yeah, it's my signature. Mm-hmm. If someone like, like lets you in there, okay, they're going to be someone that I can get on with. Like, so for me, it's yes, it's more that the kind of appearance thing for me is not as it's important and I can tweak it. If I came in to say a suit, I might get a different reaction. If I come in, I don't know, who knows? Right, right. But you know, I just understand it on a deeper level now of why you need to do it and when, 
and just that it's not as important. Yeah. On mm. And I said to Jim that I never wear shorts because I'm allowed to wear a dress and he's really missing out. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, if you could wear a skirt, you'd be in a skirt all the time. <laughs> well, in Scotland, they do it, so. That's true. Yeah. It's true. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think a, a skirt would shoot, suit you, Jim. I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what, I, that's what I wear all the time, obviously. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I think the one that springs to mind at the minute is uh, the idea that... Um, working hard mm. is the be all and end all to success um, that was very much particularly when I was doing my training that was very much kind of my mindset just work hard if you work hard everything will happen mm. and then came out of my training hit the real world and realised that actually there's so many more elements to mm-hmm. it it's about whether or not you're working hard on the right thing right? or if you're working hard on completely the wrong thing, which I did for a good like, couple like of years. Like climbing on the wrong ladder? Like climbing yeah. fast doesn't matter if you're on the wrong ladder? Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, um, the value of networking as well. It's great nice. working hard, but if the wrong people don't know how hard you work, what's the point? <laughs> exactly. Um, because, uh, yeah, it will get you so far, but it won't open up those new doors as quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a fundamental core to my, like, beliefs about life yeah. and um, I think adult life hit me hard <laughs> <laughs> actually there's more elements yeah. right like yeah. what a relief that it's not just hard work right mm. right the busiest bee doesn't always get the worm that's cliches but you know what I'm can saying can we quote that on Instagram <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the busiest bee Vanessa Van Edwards <laughs> great the best is recently it's been happening I think because I've been on a couple different shows and articles where people are quoting things that I did not say great things like, things that, that are like yeah. really smart and I'm like I did not say that I don't know what that word means. Wait like, till your <laughs> TED talk gets out there. <laughs> know, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although they put transcripts, thank goodness. <laughs> You're going to be be the change you want to see in the world. I'm as well as Gandhi. No, 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 it's Vanessa. <laughs> Misattributed. Misattributed. <laughs> what about you then, Vanessa? So I, mine has to do with, obviously I study people, and I've always been curious about people. I think that people often choose their career trying to fill a hole from their childhood. Mm. That's just... It's a totally different topic. Yeah. Um, and so I've always been curious about people. And I used to think that um, first impressions were accurate, strong, and that was the person. And now I'm, I've learned that, no, actually, people are quite like onions. Um, mm-hmm. There are really complex different yeah. layers. And even someone who seems simple or seems really direct or seems like they are who they are, no, no, no. There's so <laughs> much more under there. There's no such thing as a simple person. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a boring person. And I used to believe that there was boring people and there was interesting people or there was complex people and there were simple people. No, I think that everyone is complex. It's just a matter of are they going to show it too quickly or not. Mm. Yeah. Also, yeah. as well, I think that people are constantly in flux, like someone's personal. I think it's very changeable. I think yeah. the best relationships are ones that are constantly, they're changing, you're adapting, you're growing, you, you're trying to progress towards something. Mm-hmm. And so I think like the long-term relationships is that you can kind of build that sort of, I don't know, you, um, you kind of want to progress together, but at the same time, you're s- sort of changing as well. Yeah. And your ideas are changing every month, every year, there's different changes happening. It'd be interesting if, you know, for couples that are listening or friends to take the 36 questions and answer them mm-hmm. and write down your answers in a journal somewhere and then remind yourself that you'll do them every five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I wonder if you're, an- I wonder, like I'm thinking back to the first time I did the questions and I'm like, I wonder if my answers would be different today mm. than they were two or three years ago when I first did them. 
And you wouldn't want to look at your answers to remind yourself. Mm-hmm. But it'd be interesting if at different points in your life they would they would change or be different and if you're keeping up with those changes. I think so. There's a, there's a great um, uh, author as well called Esther Perel. Have you heard of her? Mm-mm. You should check her out. Okay. Because she does all about like relationships as well. And she sort of says like, for she helps like couples have been together like 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. And she's like, how do you keep desire when you've already got the prize in a way? Like you've yes. already got it. And I think mm-hmm. that's a massive thing like, to captivate is that that kind of constant desire in somebody and so you've got to understand somebody so well that you can both build that together that you both feel like things are getting better yes and you still desire the thing you already have i have a wayne as a friend but how do i keep him as a friend but this kind of goes back onto a point that (laughs) what are you after (laughs) but this kind of goes back onto that um earlier you you spoke about that guy who was worried that he was manipulating people Mm. but then there's a point in your book where you talk about relationships as transactions yeah so that kind of plays on okay if it's transactions you're going in to take something i get something out of wayne but at the same time i like to have Mm. him as a friend so yeah, I'd like you to talk a bit about that, the idea, because people think that if you if you do something for a reason, right, then it is kind of manipulative in some ways. But then, yeah, I was just yeah. So I uh, that's called resource theory, and I was fascinated by resource theory when I first read about it. And I had sort of the same reaction as you: is it's this idea that um, we are in an, in relationships and we are constantly giving and taking, and that when you look at power. Um, it's because someone has more of one resource than the other and you're over giving or under giving. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I first read it, I was a little bit like, Ooh, that's harsh. You know, like mm-hmm. that's so harsh. I have relationships where I'm not giving or taking anything, but I realized that actually you want to have some kind of transactional relationship because transaction doesn't have to be money or status. Although those are six. There, so there are six different values that resources that we give and take. And in the book, I talk about the six and you kind of figure out which is your primary need. Um, so money and status is, is are two of them, but there's also love. There's also belonging. Um, there's also um, information, right? Which is just like having like really deep conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why I decided to include in the book, the reason why I think about it is because we have to understand that in our relationships, we should be both giving and taking. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in a relationship, you're giving a lot. You're mm-hmm. giving a lot. And that's what you do. You give and you go, you know what? My, my partner needs me right now. My best friend needs me right now. And I'm giving. They're going through a hard time. I think actually that makes it more of a gift. If you know that you're giving support or information or money, whatever it is, you're like, yes, I'm giving this because I love this person. right? I care about this person. Mm-hmm. Or I am in need. I need to go to the people who I can trust where I can take from them and they won't judge me for it. Where I can take it and it's not quid pro quo. Mm. I think that is a very compassionate, authentic way of giving and taking as opposed to what happens now, which is it happens sort of underneath the surface mm. and you end up feeling really guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I know that I'm, I'm taking right now, but I'll be able to give back later. It makes me feel less guilty about it. Yeah. And so I think that it kind of gives a label to what's already happening Okay. But it lets you think about it, I hope, in more of a positive way. I guess it's that Gary V, 51% or whatever he says. I always give yeah. that a little extra. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. One thing I wanted... To, oh, can we... Mm, we, got a, we might have to... Uh, go one on, more go, question. Go, go, go through it. Through. I was going to say, the one thing in your book that kind of surprised me was you saying that actually people's social media accounts actually show their personalities. Oh, yes. Like it actually does link up to who they are, which I thought was kind of bizarre because obviously people curate how they want to so come much. across online. And I think in the real world, you think, wait a minute, you're this person on Instagram, but you're this person today in the room yeah like that's bit that surprised me that there's actually a link between so is that sort of like a uh 
sort of unconscious sort of, I don't know, when they put it out on social so media? that was actually research done by Simin Vazir, and yeah. she did this incredible research that matched up personality traits with Facebook profiles, which I also found surprising. But then, as I thought about it, I realized you're not necessarily getting the entire person from their social media profiles. What you're seeing is what they hope is the best version of themselves. Uh, and isn't mm. that an interesting piece of information? It's who they want to be. It's who yeah. they want to be. That curation is actually the most important part. So when I meet someone in person, they might have, like I might think this dress is the cutest thing ever, but you might not. Mm-hmm. But on Facebook, you can see that, ah, this is Vanessa's ideal style. This is the Instagram photos she has curated. Right. Ah, and look, here she is, like all of her pictures happen to be with friends or all of her hot pictures happen to be outdoorsy. Clearly, this is her idea of her best self. I either did or did not see that when I was in person. But you would be able to know how over how they overemphasize. Are they quite far from their actual self or are they quite close? So I actually think it's a piece of data to compare against. So it's actually social media could be a really good tool because if you then know Very this good. is who they mm. want to be, then you know exactly what pushes their buttons. And what a lot of their insecurities might be and things and, like and that. And their dreams. And, and yeah. Right? Like I can look at an Instagram feed or a Facebook feed and, and know a lot about someone's mission, someone's yeah. dreams in life, what they daydream about. I mean, you can see that if you're looking for that. And then if you meet them in person, you know a lot more. Like that adds even more rich data because you're like, ah, this matched or it didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's when you know how to ask really the right questions because yeah. you're you have this really interesting asset to compare against. That's Stop. really interesting. I think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you think you're My this person, boy. you're not that person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you want to be that person. Exactly, exactly. I get it. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. I guess so we uh, we can do our I we could I feel like we could literally talk so until you missed your flight tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think we could. And we didn't even get to touch on um the business, businessy stuff. But we that you didn't have to. to. We had good conversations. I know. That's, good. that's the I best know. way. I love when you go off script. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's the best. Right? <laughs> but I suppose we'll have to just have to use that as an excuse to get you on again. That's right. I'll exactly. be back in the UK hopefully soon. I love oh, your English yeah. breakfast. Well, you know, <laughs> we'll go for an English it. breakfast. We'll bring the stuff down. We'll do it in a yeah. cafe. Yeah, do it over an English. <laughs> that would be so cool. We could do I'm, that. I'm we down. Only if you wear a cape. Ooh. I can do that for you, you Vanessa. Oh, I think right. I can do that. And I have to wear a skirt? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yes. 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 Done. Done. Um, Done. But before we wrap up, your book's now on sale. Yes. Um, it's called Captivate. And people have asked me, because I've kind of told people we're, we're interviewing you, and they've asked me, like, oh, what's the book about? And I've kind of described it as um, if you think about how to win friends and influence people, which talks in, I think, quite broad strokes, yes. this feels like the instruction manual to go the along with that oh, book that's kind of how best com- best, write that review for best, Amazon please Com- write that review <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put it on Amazon oh, for God. you um, that is the but that's best. how I genuinely feel about it's it exactly. I read, I, you know, I read How to Win Friends and People mm-hmm. every year I have an original signed copy of that wow. book Wow. and I also agreed it was great to get me started but it did not give me formulas algorithms really complete framework mm-hmm. and so my goal was to add the science so find the research behind some of his ideas and actually add steps so that's, that's what I hoped for it Boom. Boom. Nail on the Mic head. Might drop, but I won't drop it. <laughs> um, we can ask our usual oh, question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't there. make time for that. It's all right. How, how, how open is your, how flexible is your schedule? <laughs> Let, we can it get quick. it done quickly. Okay. Yeah, quickly. yeah. So uh, these often catch people off guard. Mm. Um, Great. <laughs> like, there's all, whenever we ask them, there's always a nice big pause. Mm. Uh, it's two questions. The show's called Powerful Nonsense. Yes. So the two questions are, What's the most powerful piece of advice you've ever been given? Mm-hmm. And the second question is, what's the biggest load of nonsense you ever heard? <laughs> okay. 
Got it. So can I start with the nonsense first? If you like it. Okay, the nonsense was say yes to everything. Um, I hate that piece of advice for entrepreneurs. Like, yeah, you never know when opportunity is going to come knocking. Well, not every opportunity is the opportunity you want to let in the door. Mm-hmm. Nonsense. <laughs> um, the, most, the most powerful piece of advice is um, trust your gut with people. So um, if you have a bad feeling about a business idea, if you have a bad feeling about a partner or a person, don't go any farther because your gut is almost always right. And there's actually chemical signals that we're picking up on that you can't even define. So it's always, always trust your gut. And I wish I had heard that more emphatically earlier in my life. That was pretty good. good. Oh, pretty <laughs> swift. Yeah, swift. Oh, yeah. Like, norm- oh, normally yeah. there's a lot of, <sighs> oh, yeah, oh, oh, no, I good. knew mine. <laughs> good. I like it. Um, so yeah. um, obviously people can buy your book off Amazon and all good book- bookstores. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, so um, you? our lab, a running human behavior lab at thescienceofpeople.com. And um, please go play. We have lots of uh, citizen science experiments you can actually play in our lab and articles, and we'll link to the 36 questions. And I did the personality test. And, I was, oh, yes. The, I yes. think I was openness and agreeable. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Uh, and that's at scienceevil.com slash personality if you want to take that little quiz. Um, it's all free. And I'm just so grateful for being here with you guys. Amazing. Thank you. We're Thank really you. grateful for you coming in to speak to us. Amazing. Excellent. Thanks, guys. So there we have it. That, that was a lot of fun. I've missed doing interviews. Me too, actually. Me too. We haven't done them for a while because we think, you know, there's no point doing interviews for the sake of doing interviews. Especially when people love listening to our voices anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, the more somebody else is talking, the less I'm talking and I'm not happy about that. Probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm booking a few more. <laughs> um, but no, that was a huge amount of fun. Really, really like Vanessa. Um, Great you know, book. Which is, which is good considering, you know, her book is all about captivating people. So... It, she'd kind of be a bit rubbish if I was like, I didn't really like her, to be honest. <laughs> didn't get a good vibe off her. <laughs> but actually, no. <laughs> Whatever she's doing is working. She's got, got a great vibe. She's got the vibe. Um, uh, as we said at the end of the interview as well, great, great book. So please do check it out. It's available on Amazon now. Yeah. Uh, Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. And she did say there's the Audible version. The audio oh, yeah. Version. I do need to get way. that, actually. I do need to get that. But it is genuinely a very, very good book. I do really enjoy reading it. Um, check out, uh, or keep an eye out, rather, for her TED Talk as well, which we think is launching pretty much alongside this podcast thereabouts. That's, that's the expectation. We'll but chuck we- it into the... Uh- links on the website as well so absolutely so yeah powerfulnonsense.com slash captivate all of the references because there are a lot of references in that interview uh will all be there for you to check out as well um and give her a give her a follow on instagram i believe it's v van edwards off the top of my head and i think the same on twitter as well and uh, just say hi and say you heard her on our show lovely and we're happy to get her back in the future because we had loads of fun and there's so much more we could have talked about so that's the plan so keep your ears peeled for that and uh, thanks as always for tuning in if you could do us a favour not only if you read Captivate could you leave Vanessa a review but could you also leave us a review on uh, on iTunes that'd be great five stars or more would be super Um, yeah that's all that's all I'm going to plug that's all I'm going to plug so massive thanks again for tuning in and we shall catch you next time see you later